I got a call one day. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, um, they said, hey, you know, there's some students in room. I can't remember. Whatever. They're snorting cocaine. They're snorting coke. That's what they said. Snorting coke. I'm like, oh, man, I never ran into cocaine. Oh, we about to get a cocaine bus. Yeah. All right. Let me know the information. He gave me the information. I was like, all right. To my partner. We went over there. All right. Knocked on the door. <clears throat> the roommate, the suite mate called, uh, let us in. And uh, I say, so what's going on, man? He's like, yeah, man, they were over on the table. You know, they snorting coke and pointed at the table. So I go over to the table and I'm looking. I don't see anything. I'm like, well, what's going on? So it's right there. He pointed at the bottle of Coca-Cola. They were mixing whiskey and Coca-Cola and snorting it. I'm like, what? Welcome to Game of Crimes. Welcome back, amigos, amigas, players, playwrights, dudes, dudettes, everybody in between. We've had a long week to get to this point, so Ooh. welcome back to Game of Crimes. I am Morgan Wright, your tired and ass-dragon host, along with my ass-dragon tired partner in crime. <laughs> it's Murph here, everybody, and uh, if my voice sounds a little different, because I've just about lost it. We had a good week, though. That it was a blast. I mean, <laughs> it, it was long days. Let me tell you, the folks at the Southern California Gang Conference, kudos to Mel Souza, you know, uh, Manti, Ray, um, Santi, uh, Matt, Rudy, Matt. Felix. I mean, holy cow, man. They treated us like kings. We were like royalty. And they, I mean, it was morning till night. There was a there was an event every night. I was thinking I was trying to budget, you know, okay, how much food going to be out there? Didn't Didn't pay for a meal, man. They took care of us. Didn't have to. I mean, <laughs> there was a thousand, just so everybody knows, this was a Southern California Gang Conference. It was in San Diego. That's all we can tell you because they, they don't disclose the location because they're, believe it or not, worried about gang, gang infiltration at the conference. But a thousand police officers from Southern California. We met cops from Canada there, Utah. Colorado, Utah, I think, uh, I think Tennessee. Miami. Yep. Yeah. So it was a blast. We had a blast. Was, and you know what? I mean, these are all studs. Studettes, I guess, is what you call the girls. We had uh, some some of the folks that we've interviewed on our, our here on Game of Crimes. We had Lou Velozzi, uh Victor Avila, Claudia Polinov, Victor Avila. Um, uh, um, we're just facing that. Oh, by the way, we did get a um, guess what? We did uh, get a drive-by interview with. We're going to hold that, but it relates to George Young. Yeah, episode number two. Nice we surprise. Have we have some of the most inside information you'll ever hear. So, oh, I mean, it's just, but we're going to put out a whole special episode on our catch up from the conference. We actually recorded this with our new mobile crime fighting platform podcast mm -hmm. recording studio yes, uh, in San Diego. I think it worked out really good. So, no, but you know what? We'll give you a whole big catch up on that. But just suffice to say, oh, last thing to us telling Murph before we got on the air here, as they say, we ate, we ate well. And it's like the guy that brought in the donuts. Oh, my oh. God. Bacon, maple, donuts. You had me at bacon, but it was like. So I come home, Murph, and I'm thinking, so Saturday, fly back. You and I both get up. We're leaving for the airport at 445 in the morning. Yep. And I get back and like, I haven't missed my workouts. I weigh myself every day. I'm, I'm not looking forward to getting back on the scale. So Saturday, I'm like, I'm just drinking water the whole day. No food. I just wait till I get home. I'll eat a little bit of something because, you know, you're traveling and stuff. And so I get on the scale this morning. And I'm going, oh, my God, I lost two and a half pounds. <laughs> the donut diet worked. 
<laughs> I tell you what, man, that, we were busy the whole time there. It was uh, they'd pick us up there at the hotel about seven fifteen, and we'd get back about five thirty, and then there's an evening event, and my butt is dragging. I said, if you see those marks in the hallway, that's my ass. It's tough. <laughs> but we're here back with you guys now. Yeah, and we are. And But we'll do a whole episode on that, and we'll do all of our catch-up uh, episodes as well, too. So, hey, guys, by the way, um, just some quick housekeeping before we get started. Head on over to that Apple review, five stars uh, for there, and Spotify. Spotify has it now. Cinco's stars. So just hit those things. It really helps us out, and we really, truly appreciate it. By the way... Well, we put out a poll, uh, our favorite uh, Mafia Queen and Mafia Queen in Residence over on our Game of Crimes fan page, Sandy mm-hmm. Salvato, put out a poll asking, because we were testing, should we keep one part or two parters? We tested with just some one parters, and it was clear from Twitter, from Facebook, from the poll, from Patreon, uh, you guys like two parts. So guess what? Yeah, we're going to do this it. Ep- this coming episode, two parts. Yep. There and we thanks, go. And thanks to everybody for for uh, giving us your opinion on it, because this is what it's all about. We want to try to make you folks happy. So I uh, appreciate you logging in there and telling us. Yeah. And by the way, we've had many of our guests on our show have come from you, the audience, too. So and intros and stuff. So we really, really appreciate it. So also head on over to our website, GameOfCrimesPodcast.com. You want to do that for this episode because the video that is part of this episode uh, it's it's literally heart stopping. I mean, when you see this. So make sure you head on over there. We've got our book list. We've got some folks coming up that have plenty of books. I mean, this is going to be awesome. Follow us on social media at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. But where you got to be, where you got to be, where you got to be. Murph, I ask you, where do you got to be? I'm going to go get in my chair here in a little while and take a nap. <laughs> but other than be. that, where else do you have to be? <laughs> Patreon. You got to come over to Patreon and see what we got there. We've got as many bonus episodes over there as we've got episodes here on the regular podcast. And important announcement. We just finished. We just finished, which it should be 16 episodes, but we made the final episode. Just We just finished it out because it was so good. We just now finished The Real DEA Narcos on The Real DEA Narcos Cali Edition. It is in production, and for you folks on Patreon, it'll be available at the uh, Guardian of the Realm and Warden of the Throne level only because this is special. It will be coming out, probably figure the first episode will start coming out in about two weeks. And you, I swear, not because we're trying to get you to subscribe to Patreon. But well, yes, we are. Don't, don't, yes, we are. We're trying to get them to subscribe. I know, but this this interview it, it's so eye opening with with uh, uh, Chris Feistel and Dave Mitchell. Learn things that I never knew about these guys. And if you thought Javier and I were doing some crazy stuff in Medellin, wait till you hear what these guys were doing in Cali. Holy cow! This is going to be some good stuff. One thing you never did in Medellin that they did in Cali. It's going to be at the end of episode twelve. <laughs> You're right. Field. <laughs> Taking one for the team. You, I'm You're not right. going to tell you anymore. You got to listen, baby. <laughs> Can you imagine if Javier was placed in that same position? Oh, what? he would never. No. <laughs> anyway, we digress enough. Hey, if you guys just want to head on over to PayPal.com as well, use our email, Game of Crimes Podcast at gmail.com or PayPal.me slash Game of Crimes, whatever it makes it easier for you to support our show and bring you more exciting content. Now, Quick disclaimer, this is a show about crime. We talk about bad people doing bad things and bad people doing bad things to good people. We do take the story seriously, but as evidenced by the opening, we never, never take ourselves serious. We're going to have some fun here. And speaking of fun, guess what time it is, Murph? It must be time for Small Small Town town Police Blotters. And we'll have some fun ones coming up in later episodes, but this one, too. This one came from Therese Schaefer. This is a uh, 
kind of keeping with our animal-related themes, canine dogs, you know, we like animals and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, Therese, she posted it in the Game of Crimes fans group. Small-town police spotter from Sweden. Yeah, from Sweden, Steve. Police warning. There was a band uh, back in the uh, 60s that played a song called Fox on the Run. Mm -hmm. This one's called Sheep on the Run. Police received a number of calls from the public regarding a couple of escaped sheep in Velling, I believe, near the city of Malmo. One of the sheep is big and black. The other is beige brown, the police say. Police are at the location trying to identify the owner of the sheep. Now, it's the last sentence that gets me. It's unclear how and why the sheep escaped. I mean, do sheep need a why to escape? <laughs> I think they saw an opening and took it. <laughs> it's like and a the prisoner band was called in jail. Sweet. Yeah, sweet. Um, yeah. Why? Why? Can you imagine corralling up the sheep? Well, yeah. Why did you? Why did? Why did you? Why did you escape? Well, because they were going to turn me into, you know, a, a wool coat. I don't know. Well, it makes you wonder uh, what was the shepherd up to that the sheep wanted to run away. Dun dun. <laughs> why, do shepherds, why do shepherds wear long flowing robes? Why? Because sheeps can hear Zipper a mile away. Oh, bump. Thank you oh. very much. I'll be here all week. Okay. Hey, Steve, this next one comes to us from the 100 block of West University Drive, wherever that is. Employees of Eckerd's reported that at 12.25 a.m. This must be one of the strangest incidents I've heard of. Two men came into the store, loaded birthday bags that said, have a nice day with yellow faces on them. Steve with 52 tubes of vaginal antifungal cream and left without paying. The cream was valued at $894.98. Oh, what, what, Either there's uh, a black market out there or somebody's got a big problem. Oh, oh, that is, is kind of, and for those listeners that don't know what Eckers is, it's a drugstore chain here in the U.S. But that's, that's, <laughs> well, let's just leave that alone because I'm not sure where we could say about Don't want to touch that one, yeah. <laughs> Hey, but in keeping with our keeping with our animal-related thing, this comes to us from West St. Paul. A missing bird, a caller, reported June 30th that a bird had been stolen from an apartment in the 100 block of Haskell Street East. Uh, but Steve, unfortunately, it was later determined that the bird had not been stolen, but was lying dead at the bottom of the cage. <laughs> they didn't see that. <laughs> Must have been All a really I can tiny think bird. Of is, for, if you younger folks don't get this, you need to go watch Monty Python, the dead parrot sketch. He's not dead. He's pining, pining for the fjords. You got to watch the dead parrot sketch. He's dead. No, he's no longer with us. He is bereft of life. Oh, jeez. Oh. And I have never seen that, and I probably never will. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, well. Okay. Thus endeth the reading for the day. Kyrie, Domine, Dane, Requiem. All right. And everybody's think, that, probably thinking, thank goodness, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, so that leads us into uh speaking of strange things, uh we'll have some strange stories as we said from the um uh San Diego gang conference, but uh, suffice it to say man, we had a we had a good time out there. That will be a whole set, set of interviews, but while we were out there, we were finishing up and uh was finishing editing this next episode and I'll tell you just the more we talked to this kid Number one, I mean, it's like everybody we talk to that has been shot in the line of duty, you think that they would be, uh, you know, no. we talked to Claudia. I mean, my God, she is just bubbly. She was a rock star out there. Alex Collins was a rock star out there. You know, we talked to, by the way, we, we, uh, uh, with Victor Avila, we uh, outed him on stage because the guy sandbagged us. If for you guys that don't know, Victor holds the world's record 
for the longest distance pistol shot, 2,010 yards, 1.14 miles from trigger pull till impact. It took 11 seconds for that round to hit a 36-inch by 36-inch target. Unbelievable. I mean, that's just unfrickin' believable. But anyway, when we talked all, because Victor was involved in a shooting, he was wounded. All of these folks got great mental attitudes. They come out of it and they want to give back. They're not there to be heroes. They're not there to be the center of attention. What they want to do is make it safer for the next cop, the next deputy, the next trooper, the next agent, you know, out there. They want to keep their lessons. And we're going to learn a good lesson from this next one. So Quincy Smith was actually, um, he, he was uh, introduced to us by uh, somebody who watches the show, or listen, I should say watches, listens to the show regularly. And that's how we got the intro. And I'm telling you, Steve, uh, just the, the kid is just, when we say kid, everybody who's half our age, we call kids, right? So. <laughs> Which is like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> These days. But just what a, just a big personality, but you know what? But very humble. And he he's going to tell us about some lessons coming up in this uh, episode. You know, and what I like about this one, he's the only police officer on duty in this small town in South Carolina. And you think it's a safe community. When you're wearing the uniform, you're never safe. Here's a guy just trying to, to go up to do something on a New Year's Day when it should be quiet and people just kind of relaxing from partying the night before. And the assailant, well, you'll find out what happens. But it, it's the thing I like about Quincy is just like the others that you mentioned, he didn't let it get him down. You know, he's moved on with his career. He's moved up to a larger agency now, has plans for the future. So God bless him, man. Just thank the good Lord he's still here with us. And thank the good Lord his mama didn't kick his ass. So <laughs> you're going to hear about probably ready to. Yeah, you're going to hear about who his mama is. And uh, but again, this is such a fantastic episode. So Steve, but before we can ha- hear the episode and get to it, I have to ask you one big question: Are you ready? Even though you're tired and want to go to sleep in your chair, are you ready to play the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all? The original and unadulterated game of crimes. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, this is one where you really do need to get in, sit down, shut up, and hold on. Quincy's going to tell what happened. Well, the jokes have already started, and before Murph makes a trooper joke, our next guest wanted to be a trooper, so just watch yourself there, Murph. So, hey, guys, welcome back. Um, we have, we in continuing with tradition of talking to people who have come very close, obviously, to making the ultimate sacrifice, this next kid, and I say kid because he's a young kid, he's a young, good-looking kid, he's got a big-ass smile, and all the ladies <laughs> like him. His name is Quincy Smith. Quincy, welcome to the podcast, Listen, brother. I right, appreciate brother, you welcome. guys having me, man. Thank you again, man. No, it's it's our, truly it is our honor to have you on here with us today. And and man, <laughs> I know we got to lay the background for your interview, but I can't wait. To get to it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna be fun because um, just before we started, Murph was trying to talk smack, and then he found out Quincy wanted to be a trooper, but we got to figure out before you, before you wanted to obviously ascend to the greatest heights possible in law enforcement. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse Let, we got to start though, as we always say with everybody, how did you get started in this thing of ours? What led you to a life of law enforcement? Because it seems to be, it's in, it's in your background yeah, so somewhere. My mom, what really pushed me towards it was my mom, you know, she didn't, she didn't want me to be officer, but you know, so she was a police officer in New York. And uh, um, mm-hmm. when I graduated from high school in South Carolina, I pretty much moved up to New Jersey with her and everything. And I went to Kane University and um, went to school there. And then, like, sometimes I'll go over to New York 
on days that I didn't have class or something like that and go with her lunch breaks and hang out with her. And, you know, I just I just loved how she was working, man. You know, she'd go up, talk to people and, you know, she'd do her job. Of course, I wouldn't be right up on it. I'd stand back because, you know, she told me I can't really be around certain situations. So, yeah, I was like, you know, I saw how she operated, saw how she worked. I was like, I think I want to be an officer, man. <laughs> so, at, and she was she was NYPD, yeah, NYPD, right? She was on the Transit Bureau Task Force, so she worked well. When I used to go, um, she was in in uniform, and then she got transferred to the Transit Bureau Task Force. She was on in plain clothes in the subways and stuff. So yeah. So was she cool. one of the ones that was playing like being drunk or uh, half asleep and getting people to try and rob her? Was she, was she going after some yeah, of the folks that, like that? She was telling me one some of her stories and. What she'll do, they, they had a, like a, a major thing with people trying to snatch people's cell phones at the hand, like especially the new iPhones and stuff. Mm-hmm. So she is, yeah. her and her partners, they'll set up in strategic locations on the train and she'll just have her phone out like this, just willy nilly with it, you know, flashing around. <laughs> and she <laughs> said, some, some guys, they'll actually try to snatch it and run off the train with it, but they'll catch them by that time before the doors close. So yeah. So yeah, they. they <laughs> So I'm like, I what know, a surprise. Right? <laughs> well, it's a small world because one of the guests we got coming up, Murph and I are going to interview a couple guys. One of them is a good friend of mine. He was actually a lieutenant with NYPD, the cold case okay. squad. I think it was the 79th precinct, but he did time. Same thing, transit bureau, working yeah. undercover, pretending yeah. to be drunk or uh, out of it or whatever, and having people rifle through his pockets yeah. and stuff. Yeah. You got to put up with a lot. Of, I mean, and let me tell you what, too. Having ridden the, the subways there, like the path train over from New Jersey yeah. over to New York and then riding around the metro, it is, I tell you what, for it was very safe for a long time. But man, you're right. There are people, they steal the phones, they go after just, they they jump the um, turnstiles, yeah. they do, you know, a bunch of stuff. So, and the other thing too is remember when that attack happened on the train here just recently, there's a lot of stuff that goes down yeah. on those trains. They're like soft yeah. targets. So the people working that stuff, it's not a cush job. It's a pretty dangerous oh, yeah. little oh, thing. Yeah. New, New York is, it's a different breed, man. And she, she, she told me, one, yeah, she told me once I decided to get in, she's like, you're not going to New York. I'm like, well, not really want to go to New York anyway. I want to go back home to Carolina. So, <laughs> Hey, I'll tell you what though, uh, the, all the New York officers I've met, once they find out you're a brother, you're in part of the law enforcement family, you're oh, yeah. accepted. You know, I'm, it's still old school up there. They will oh. take care of you. We were up there one time, and I don't mean to get off story here, but we went up there for some meetings when I was still with yeah. DEA. And afterwards, they said, what do you guys want to do this evening? And we said, we want to see Ground Zero, because none of us had seen it. And I had a bunch of uh, my folks with me. And so they brought over some unmarked cars, and, and we're going down the road there towards the site, and traffic backed up. So they had their sirens wired into the horns, mm-hmm. you know. So if I'm blowing my horn at people, they're, yeah. they're getting a <laughs> And so we ended up on the sidewalks, driving down, you know, hitting the siren, getting people off sidewalks. That's New York. And then we went and parked on the grass. We didn't have to walk uh-huh. in. Yeah, which is funny, which is the way you drive down in Florida too, Murph. So <laughs> bad habits die oh, hard, yeah. man. I'm just trying no, to fit I... in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, uh, man. But yeah, New York, man, that's is is a different breed. But yeah, going to work with her, you know, that really like, you know, opened my eyes like, yo, this is, I think this is what I want to do. Because prior to that, I actually had two career choices that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a locomotive engineer for Amtrak. I was, I was, I was always fascinated with trains, man. And then um, I wanted to, I went to school for computer science. That's where I started it with. And because I want to be the, like the next person to design Grand Theft Auto or something like that. So, so yeah, that, those, those are my passions right there. And then, like I said, when I went to see with her to work, it was like, yo, like, yeah, I think that's want to do this. And then my uncle, 
he's an assistant police chief in um, my hometown, the, well, the neighboring town in my hometown. And my aunts, or her, my mom's sisters, and they were all dispatchers, you know. So, yeah, it's... Man, it yeah. runs in the blood. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. So how do you go from locomotive engineer, you wanted to fix trains, to, I want to design the next Grand Theft Auto so, to so, now I'm a cop. I mean, that is a strange I, I know, transition, I know. my friend. So, um, <laughs> like I said, growing up, I was always fascinated with trains. I wanted to drive a tr- I wanted to drive trains or Amtrak and stuff like that. And I don't know. And then I was like, you know what? I, I actually, I like video games too. So I want to design video games. So I was like, you know what? I think video, I want to design video games. That'd be cool, man. Like I get to play games all day and work on them and design them. I think that'd be better than, you know, driving a train. I mean, even though I get to travel, but I feel like I still get to travel, you know, when it comes to, you know, designing video games, you're going to have to market and do all this other stuff. So I figured, you know, that'd be my top goal. And if that don't work out, then I go, you know, be a locomotive engineer. I quickly find out when I yeah. went to college, math wasn't my strong subject, so I had to change real quick. And then, like I said, then this was kind of after, you know, I went to work my mom, so I changed. And I ain't gonna lie, like I said, my my grades they weren't all that like, great or whatever. But uh, when I went to work my mom, I I quickly changed my major to criminal justice, and after that, I got like all A's, dean's list, and all. So I was kind of good at it. So yeah, yeah, you found you yeah. found your niche, man. Oh, Murph's not good at math either, man. <laughs> yeah, he's. Let's see. One and one equals <laughs> one. Two. Yeah. Sorry for our listeners. Can't, you can't see that. Yeah, of course not. It's a podcast, Murph. I'm telling you, man. I got to tell this guy stuff. So um, so tell us about, now we were joking at first, but I mean, you're serious about uh, you wanted to be a trooper. So where did you start applying? So wh- where was a couple of the places you started looking at Listen, and why? I applied everywhere. I just tried to get my foot in the door. So once I graduated, I literally had like a stack of applications with my resume already. To, all I needed to do was fill them out and send them off. And these are from places as far as New Jersey, West uh, Virginia State Police, you know, North Carolina State Police, South Carolina. Most of my stuff were in South Carolina, though, um, in South Carolina Highway Patrol and all the little uh, smaller towns and sheriff departments, you know, um, I, I tried to apply to. I had I literally had a list of names of the departments, the phone numbers right beside it, and I called every day to see if they were hiring. <laughs> I literally did, like, and um, you know, pretty much everybody, even though with a college degree, they hey, well, we looking for somebody with some experience or or already certified. It's like, well, I can't get that unless somebody hired me. So I just kept applying, man. And then I applied to hire South Carolina Hire Patrol. And well, you know, when I was in college, you know, I did have two credit cards and stuff I used to pay for my books, stuff like that. And I had a little campus job. Only paid me like what a hundred bucks a week or every two weeks or something like that. You know, something to keep, you know, like some small Oh, we can relate with that with our podcast. That's about yeah. all we make either. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fairly keep the know, lights right? on. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, uh, like I said, uh, so the credit cards, I guess I couldn't keep up with the payments and it w- kind of went delinquent. And so when I applied, to high, all I needed was like $2,000. So all I needed was a job to like, so I could just pay it off, you know, which that was my plan. I just needed like a, like a, like a legit job, not no campus job or whatever. So when I graduated, you know, I applied to South Carolina like a tr- Highway Patrol because I, I I wanted to be a state trooper. I've always wanted it. When I first thought about going into law enforcement, um, they sent me a letter back said we can't accept your uh, we can't move forward in the process because of your you know your your credit history because of delinquent stuff. I'm like, well, I just need a job. If I can get the job, I can pay it. There's no problem. I don't have a job, like <laughs> you know. So, um. And I got to have a job to get experience so I can be hired to pay this off. So come on, people, work with me. Toss me a bone here. Yeah, exactly, man. So, um, What year was that, Quincy? 2013. 
No, so not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, 2013. And the reason I'm asking is because that was uh, when, uh, especially with our TFOs, um, I won't mention the town, or it wasn't a town, it was a city. Um, um, the the government came up with a system, you couldn't hold that against somebody. So if they were in a program, you know, to for like a debt relief program and they were trying to get it paid off, then that could not be held against them. But I guess it took a while for that to get to South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he'd show hold, held it against me. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're so, lost, man. Hey, um, that's what I see. That's what I see. So, well, uh, oh, go ahead. So, but, but you started applying how long from the time you started applying till you got your first bite? So, my first bite, um, so that was in 2013. I graduated in May of 2013. And it took about about a month and a half, two months. Um, I got my first bite, and it was from the University of South Carolina, uh, Beaufort, um, uh, campus police. You know, because I applied in, like I said, I applied everywhere <laughs> trying to get try to get in law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So they they called me and said, "Hey, you know, we want to interview you and stuff like that." Because um, I did do an internship for the New Jersey State Police too, so that gave me a little edge. Now, now hold on a second. I've been to New Jersey many times, and I'm talking to guys from New Jersey. So how the <laughs> hell did you get by with your accent in New Jersey? What accent did you life off of, by the way? <laughs> Look, everybody loved my accent in Jersey, man. That's, <laughs> no, for real. Like they, they every time I talk, speaking to somebody, where you from? I'm like South Carolina. I'm like he's like, I can tell you country. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were just bam. jealous. Yeah, uh, no, that's if it, but look, no, look, New Jersey. And let me tell you, if there's somebody else that's proud about their uniforms, it's the New Jersey State Police. I had a buddy of mine that was on there. I knew the colonel at one time, Rick Fuentes. Yeah. They wear that outfit all the time, man. There is no like summer or winter uniform. It's like one uniform all the time. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Listen, I actually, I, I, um, I, I was in their process too. So I'm, I'm a short distance sprinter. I, when I play, I play football and stuff. So, you know, I'm, I was a running back. So, you know, I'm not good at no long distance running three miles, five, six miles. Couldn't do that. So I was in that process. And the way they process is you have to get at least 21 points out of each category, which was push-ups, sit-ups, um, push-ups, sit-ups, and the agility test. And the I think the one and a half, two mile run, something like that. Oh, you so, probably aced the other stuff until it came to the run, right? Yeah, I literally, I, w- I already <laughs> had, I already had the points I needed. All I had to do was just get like one point or whatever, um, be, get the minimum time for the mile and a half or a two mile run. I can't. I, I I was behind by like what two or three minutes. I couldn't. I, then they then they cut me from the process. So I was like, man, all right, back to the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so so uh, so uh, did you play in high school and college? So yeah, um, I played uh in high school and college. When I got to college, though, um, so in high school, I kind of I injured my shoulders, so Ooh. um, my my shoulder they was like slip out of the joint or whatever, and it was real painful. So when I got to college, you know, um, when I got on the team, I couldn't make it through a full practice. And the trainers, it was like, you have to call it quits one day, man. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I try to hold out, but I, I just, I, I just couldn't. You know, and it, it was more detrimental to me or whatever than anything and and the team, too. So kind of me holding them back when they can have somebody to fill that spot who is more healthier than me. So I was like, I gave up football, too. Yeah, but, you know, but what a great attitude, though. It's kind of like you could have been selfish and said, no, I want to do this for me. But on the other hand, it's like, look, the team's got to have a running back who can run. It's got to be, yeah. be able to be in the games and be in practice. So, yeah. 
That's good stuff. Um, so you, you start applying your Buford. What happens oh, yeah. with uh, the, the uh, university down there? So, oh, yeah. So I went to my first interview. Uh, I had an interview panel and um, they uh, they told me they'll give me a call and whatnot. So what I did was I kind of I, I I know about that area. Like I said, I'm, I'm from the neighboring county. So I've been to Buford and Hilton Head and Bluffton. So I know a little bit about the area. So but I never actually been on that college campus, it's a satellite campus from the main campus in Columbia, USC, Columbia. So um, I just went around and talked to some of the students, asked them how they felt about the campus, how they liked their officers, you know, just showing my face. And then um, I was walking back to my car and the um, the sergeant, uh, Sergeant Bruce, he uh, was on the golf cart. And he said, hey, let me show you around or whatever. So um, I got in the golf cart with him. He showed me around and introduced me to some people. And they was like, oh, we already met him or whatever. Yeah, he said, they said, yeah, he came in early and talked with us and asked us some questions about the campus and stuff like that. And, Sergeant Bruce, he looked at me, he was like, hmm. So um, anyway, long story short, I got a call for a second interview. The chief interviewed me and they hired me um, like an hour later. And um, after getting hired with them, you know, Sergeant Bruce told me, he said, you want to know why we hired you? I said, yeah, why? You know, he said, well, you know, we had a lot of applicants, a lot of people with like experience, some people from retired New York, 20, 30 years experience and apply for this, you know, but we were looking for someone who was like community oriented, like who go around, talk to the students and this and that. And you showed that to me, you know, that day when you got in the golf cart and you already introduced yourself to other people. And that was something that we was looking for. And the fact that you did that, that shows a lot of good qualities that we're looking for. And that's why we hired you over a 30 year veteran. I'm like, well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, <laughs> no, no, come on, tell the truth. The reason they hired you is because when you started talking, nobody asked you, where are you from? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was from New York too. He was retired from New York. From, I, uh, I forgot, uh, was, uh, out, it was up some, for, uh, some other, uh, town in New York. I forgot. It wasn't NYPD though, but yeah. So, so tell us about getting started there because you know, the other thing I can tell you from experience and, and I've, I've had friends who've been on the university police and, you know, big and small and stuff. It's a different kind of policing. You, you, there's still certain things you have to do, but it's a different kind of policing than what you're doing now. So, oh, yeah. um, so tell me about that. So tell me about when you worked there, what was it like versus like what you saw your mom do and what you saw NYPD do? What was it like being at the university? Oh man, it is extremely different, man. You know, for one, I'm, I'm kind of there. I was their age. I was 23. So I just graduated from college like a couple months ago. So I kind of related to them as far as the campus life and all that type of stuff. So um, it, it was explained to me, you know, um, is working on a college campus is different than a street officer because it's like, I guess you could say extra sensitive. You're dealing with students, kids and stuff like that. So, you know, he said, you know, we we try to find diversion ways when students get in trouble we want to find ways to get diversions and stuff like that don't want to you know ruin their life and stuff like that and that's what i understand you know i don't i ain't my here to try to ruin nobody's life so but yeah so it, it was a lot of when get, you bust students with alcohol and marijuana and stuff like that it was, it was a lot of repetitive things there's not anything changing so it's they they more mostly want you to i, I guess for lack of better words coddle them <laughs> you know, baby them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, baby, literally, it really was babysitting. You know, and um, stuff like that. So yeah, my 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 chief knew though. He told me, he said, "I know you. I know this is not someplace you're gonna retire at. I can see that you, you know, you want more out of this." I said, "Yeah, I do want to experience, you know, a lot more, and you know, do some street work and stuff like that." Because we didn't have a dispatch, 
for one. And it was like, you know, the, we, I was, we was like, what, 10, seven officers, 10 officers. And, you know, at, at nighttime, sometime during the summertime, I worked by myself. Like I just lock up the buildings and stuff like that. It was, it was real simple. It wasn't nothing crazy. We didn't have anything crazy going on, anything like that. It was, you know, pretty much an easy, a easy law enforcement job. That's mostly for someone who's retired. Now, did you go through the regular state academy for that, or did they have their own? Yes, yes. So I had to go through the state academy in Columbia um, with regular officers from the sheriff department and everything. Got the well, same training. Well, that's the good part, right? Did. Because yeah. now you get a state certification. Like, yep, yep. You can go somewhere with it, right? Yep, yep. I can go anywhere in the state of South Carolina with it. So yeah, um, I went there. Their, their academy was about twelve weeks at the time. Now, they changed it up now. Um, but yeah, it was 12 weeks. You know, we do everything, man, from criminal law, everything. You How know. about running? Did you do running? Yes, we did running. <laughs> then. I was at the back of the line. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get that back to But that was good. I was, it, it, was, it was good, man, you know, but no, nah, um, we, we did some running. We did a lot of push-ups and stuff. And I, I don't know if y'all know, do y'all know anything about South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy? The which one now? About what's the, the name South of Carolina it? Criminal Justice Academy. So to put a um, police academy up in South Carolina. Other so, than it's run by what former Marine Corps drill sergeants? <laughs> yeah, and also inmates. What? Yeah, what? yeah. So what are they your instructors? They tell you this is what we did that got caught, <laughs> and this is how you catch us? I mean, how does no, that work? When I say it's run by inmates, not actually run by inmates, but no, like the inmates, like they I guess the people that are good, they call them, they they're the ones that come in and clean your room. They're the ones all the trustees your, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah they fi- they fix yeah. your food, all of that type of stuff. Like it was crazy. Now, did you feel comfortable eating the food? Hell <laughs> oh. No, but I still ate. It. <laughs> uh, but, Especially yeah, when somebody yeah, goes, eat, "Hey, right? your uncle arrested me. Here, I got yeah. something special for you." <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So my my and I didn't believe that at first. My supervisors at the, at the college campus. It's like, yeah, man. Oh, I don't know if you know, man. You know, you know the inmates over there. They fix your food. I'm like, stop bullshitting. They don't fix no food. They whatever. <laughs> okay, I thought they were screwing me. So when I got there, you know, the the, the first day we got we get we have to arrive on Sunday by like seven o'clock, check in, get our rooms and all that type of stuff. Then Monday was the start day of everything. Monday we went to uh they t- sent us breakfast. I see the uh um inmates in a white in a white jumpsuit. It says inmate on the back. Hey, greet me at the door. Hey, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Like, what are you doing here? And then I was, I go I was the previous class. No. Yeah. <laughs> For real. yeah, if you fail, this is what yeah. you're going to be doing. <laughs> and then I, I get my tray and stuff and I'm walking down the line and they fixing me my food. I'm like, I, oh man, I immediately called my supervisor. I say, man, I thought you was lying to me, man. They really do fix my food. Like, yo, I, I was a little freaked out. I was like, how do they know they're not spitting our stuff and doing all this type of stuff? But, you know, but it, it was one dude. Yeah, it was one dude. He was in, he was real. He was a real nice dude. I felt bad that he was in prison. He was old, and I'm like, "What'd you do to get?" I, I, we couldn't talk to him, of course. I couldn't, you know, get to know him. But I'm thinking to my, well, "What'd you do to get in here, man? You like a you a sweet dude, man? Like, <laughs> like why you here?" Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. well, his nickname was Killer. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, so that that was it. <laughs> I can I got to tell you now. I, I know I've seen places when I was started off as a police officer, the sheriff's office. We shared a building with them. 
the trustees would come out and they would clean the sheriff's office cars. You know, they actually, we had to t- mm-hmm. take ours through a little car wash or whatever, but yeah. they actually had trustees clean them inside and out until <laughs> one day, um, one of the deputies, as of course you guys know too, and you know very well too, Quincy, is that after you arrest somebody, they're in your car. One thing you want to do is you want to check the seats. You know, you check them, you check your before yep. shift, right? Check them out. Well, apparently one of the deputies forgot to check the seats and one of the inmates found a pretty good sized bag of weed. And a couple hours later, when a couple of the guys didn't show up and they were found stoned in one of the little work areas outside there, that kind of ended the trustee program at the jail there for a while. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. Uh, You say that like it's a bad thing. He was, just, he was just a little high. That's all, man. He that's all. Know. Just said that he was he was enjoying life. Uh, but he, but um, no, no. So that's cool. So uh, you do your twelve weeks. You, mm-hmm. you make it through the running, obviously, because you've graduated, right? So did yep. you get any better at running, or do you still suck at running long distance? I got, I did get better until I got shot. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, now we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, so yeah, but but no, hey, but that's you know that's one of the things too people realize too is your physical fitness is very important, especially when you, with what we're going to talk about with you, being physically yeah. fit allows you to recover and survive things much better. Yeah. But before we get to that part of it, so walk us through. So you're, how long are you there at the university before you decide it is time for me to move up and move out somewhere? So, yeah, um, I was there for about two years, you know, um, that was my plan. You know, I wanted to, uh, you know, get some street work in, you know, want to do a little more, because like I said, the only thing I was really experiencing, you know, um, was, you know, students with alcohol and, you know, marijuana. I haven't really got any serious other drugs, but alcohol Was there and anything big that happened on campus at the time? I mean, was there anything major of major importance? No, no, no. Like I said, it's a small campus, you know, <clears throat> a lot of wealthy people to their kids there or whatnot, but we don't really, no, not, not anything crazy. I haven't even gotten anything crazy. Just a lot of weird stuff. Kid, I learned students are weird. You know, <laughs> they, okay. they, how they, I'll, I'll play along. How weird are they? Oh, man. So I got a call one day. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, um, they said, hey, you know, there's some students in room. I can't remember. Whatever. They're snorting cocaine. They're snorting coke. That's what they said. Snorting coke. I'm like, oh, man, I never ran into cocaine. Oh, we about to get a cocaine bus. Yeah. All right. Let me know the information. They gave me the information. I was like, all right. Told my partner. We went over there. All right, knocked on the door. The roommate, the suite mate called, uh, let us in. And uh, I say, so what's going on, man? He's like, yeah, man, they were over on the table. You know, they snorting coke and pointed at the table. So I go over to the table and I'm looking. I don't see anything. I'm like, well, what's going on? So it's right there. He pointed at the bottle of Coca-Cola. They were mixing whiskey and Coca-Cola and snorting it. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who does this? <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth wait a minute oh why that's not the question can, can you do it it's why would you do it yes I, that's what i said that, that, but yeah it's <laughs> you know we had we had an agent kidnapped down in, in mexico city victor cortez and one of the forms of torture was they took carbonated soda and shook the bottle up and shot it up the nose into the membranes Ooh. and it just I mean, it just, he said it just like fries oh, your yeah. brain. Oh, there. So that's got to hurt. Oh. oh, God. Yeah. And these guys are doing it voluntarily. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, and then guess what? Uh, they ended up being the ones serving the next crew of uh, the Criminal Justice Academy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, would you Wait. like some fries with your Coke and whiskey? I know. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, yeah. Geez. So, 
But yeah, I worked there for about two years. Um, and then, you know, I let my my chief and my sergeant know. I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, looking elsewhere or whatever. You know, um, I want to go to Bluffton PD, you know, but um, that didn't work out for one. I didn't really have the funds to get my own place just yet. So that means I would have to drive from from Hampton to, you know, Bluffton, which is I, I do that already for USC Buford, which is 50 miles. So that's like a, it's an hour ride, you know, so I had to get up like an hour and a half early, two hours early, just to be on time for work ahead of time. So I started looking for something a little closer to home, um, which was um, my home city. I really want to work there, you know, at one point because it's my home city. I know the area. And what's you know, the home city? At Hampton, South Carolina. How big of a town is it? Oh, man, it's probably about 10 square miles, maybe. How many maybe people? That. Probably about four or five thousand people, maybe. Okay. Probably, I think, might be a little less than that, but yeah, it's really not that big. <clears throat> but yeah, um, so um, I started applying everywhere. My home city didn't have an opening at the time, or whatnot. So um, I applied to the neighboring towns because it's it's closer. It's, there, it's ten mile ride um, from where I from where I live at. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna try here. Um, tried there. Um, Twin in person took my application in, and um, the chief he pretty much interviewed me right there on the spot when I turned it in, and told him I was already certified and everything. And he's like, "Well, can you can you start?" I'm like, "Start next week. Give me two weeks or whatever, so I get two weeks notice in." So I'm like, "He's like, all right, cool." <clears throat> so, um, put my two weeks notice in, <clears throat> and uh, started working with Estel, South Carolina, which is like I said, ten miles from my hometown, Hampton, South Carolina. And how how big of a population is Estel? So Estel is three square miles, and they have a population of just under two thousand. So it's a real small town. Yeah, but you know, but I grew up in a small town too, about fifteen hundred people. You know, one cop for the town out at a time, yeah. maybe if you're lucky. But you know, but you know, but there is something to be said about Americana. You know, you get the small towns growing up, yeah. small town living. Yeah. Um, and you think, well, as we'll find out, you think a small town is safe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Supposed to be safer. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. the the town, Estel, it was like the worst town in the county, though, too. So I got to say that. that? It's it's a lot of crime ridden, you know, a lot of things growing up there. Growing up, um, when I went over to Estel, it was just bad. The town is dilapidated. You know, it's it's hardly anything. Yeah, a lot of poverty, hardly anything there. School system is jacked up over there because they got. Our school system, we have two separate school systems. We got Hampton District 1 and Hampton District 2. Hampton District 2 was the Estel side. And, you know, pretty much they get, they they kind of left behind pretty much, and which is mm-hmm. which is sad to say, you know, but yeah. this. So you start on Estel and now is the pay kind of comparable to what you were making at the university or is it better? Yeah, yeah. So um, I did get paid uh, some more than what I was at USC Buford. Um, Probably like I guess two three dollars more from when I was working at USC Buford, um, and like I said, the biggest thing was the drive. I spent more money in gas driving to USC Buford than Estel. Can you imagine trying to do that drive today with gas at four fifty a gallon? I know. <laughs> Listen, I. Well, yeah, I feel that, sorry for the folks I got to drive that far. I mean, it's just seriously. But so you get to Estel. So so basically, the chief interviews you and just hires you on the spot, and you're like ready to go. Give your two weeks, and you come in. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, like I said, I kept my sergeant updated with the process. You know, at least give them that respect. And I told them I dropped it off, and they pretty much had me on the spot. And I told them, you know, they asked me when I could start. I said two weeks or whatever. So uh, he's like, all right, cool. Um, just give us your, your resignation. Chief will sign off on it. I mean, you left you you in good standing with us still. You know, I'm saying, cool. I'm glad. You know, because uh, like I said, the chief said he, he knew I wasn't gonna stay forever. You know, but he he wanted me to get enough training where I can go someplace and, you know, be, um, maybe like more proactive, get more into yeah. law enforcement, you know, be yeah. able to yeah. more, yeah. more proactive with crime. Hey, but yeah. before we leave university, of South Carolina, Buford, by the way, that's a great name. Buford. I live <laughs> yeah. in Buford. Yeah, you. That's a great Buford T justice. That was yeah. remember Smokey and the bandit. Yeah. Jackie Gleason was Buford. Buford. Buford's a great place, man. Everybody. Wants oh, to yeah. Buford. So I got to ask you, what is the, now <clears throat> you're a relatively young man. How old are you now? Um, 31. About to be 32 yes. in a few weeks. So, you know, back then when you were in like your 23, 24, former running back, you know, stud, you know, good looking guy. Did you get in trouble with any of the college students? No. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now. Did you see that? Just that was that. He, he, he pointed, pointed his, his he finger. Pointed yeah. His no. <laughs> now, I've had um, people complain and lie. And they had to investigate some things, but I've never done anything with a student. Be- and I would say that I, I'm a traffic person. I, l- I love traffic. So, you know, a lot of students, you know, I, I'm fair. I'm hard, but I'm fair. You know, like I said, so I, I do issues. I issued a lot of parking tickets, you know, out there. So, you know, Nick. Which is what you do on a college campus, too. Parking yeah. <laughs> drives it, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people, you know, they'd be upset or whatever. But no, I had this one young lady. Um, so I, I, I wasn't certified yet. I, matter of fact, I only been working there for about two months. And me being, you know, the person I am, I'm high, high, energetic, love people, love life, and you know, and everybody already knew me. They already has respected me and appreciated me and whatever. So the, um, I guess the resident assistants, they, um, they were having a meeting. So I was going in the buildings, locking the buildings up, you know, and I walk into the meeting. I was like, hey, guys, what's going on? Whatever. And everybody said, hey, what's up, Quincy? You know, this and that and and whatnot. And, um, you know, so I, everybody, of course, they start coming with the jokes. Now, when I, I wasn't uncertified, so I couldn't carry a gun at the time either. So I had I pretty much was a security guard at, at most, but I still had the title police officer. So, um. They was over there making jokes or whatever, and everybody to my, yeah, you're not real cops and this and that. And, you know, laughing and joking. That was the atmosphere. And uh, this one one young lady, she was like, you're not a real cop. Your response times are slow and blah, 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 this and that. And everybody was laughing. I was laughing, too. I was like, I said, you know what? We are real cops. So I took my handcuffs at my um, thing, at my holster, and I cuffed one of her wrists. And I said, we are real cops or whatever. And everybody stopped laughing. I was laughing. And all right, and then she gonna look around everybody. She was laughing too and look around everybody. She's like, oh, I'm used to this. And I looked at her funny. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was, and I said, this is that thing. I say, you nasty. So I took my key, I took the handcuff <laughs> off. Seriously, I took the handcuff off and I went about my business. I said, all right, you guys, I'll see y'all later. Cause that just threw it for me. I'm like, yeah, I'm out. She goes and reports me, said I sexually harassed her. I'm like, you sexually oh, harassed me. How did I? <laughs> you <laughs> You said I'm used to this. Yes. Like, come on. So, you know, they investigated, of course. Everybody and everybody, of course, said, um, uh, said they pretty much Quincy didn't do anything wrong. He didn't say anything wrong. Like, 
she went and told her, said, I said she was naughty and all this extra stuff. I'm like, she, what it was, she was embarrassed because I told her she was nasty. That's what it was. And uh, so the internal affairs guy, he came down, he interviewed me and whatever. And he, he told me pretty much the story that I got. Everybody literally said she's known for being a bitch and, and whatnot. So she's, she, yeah, don't, you don't have to worry about that, man. You, you're cleared. In my, I'm like, well, thank you, because I didn't do nothing. Like, <laughs> you know. Oh my! I'm glad we didn't bypass that, because that was that was okay. That's, <laughs> but I wish we would have had that. Just so you folks can see, when I asked him that question, it was the take the deep breath back and that finger that's pointed out. Yeah, said, listen. No, listen. No, <laughs> you got the they, finger. Man. Listen, my chief, finger. my chief had told me. Uh, he said, matter of fact, he told me when I first got hired. He's like, and um, he's he's like, Quizzy, you you know. You're a young man, you know. Matter of fact, both of my chiefs told me this in uh, USC and in Estill. But anyway, I'm going to get to that. So um, my chief said, hey, man. USC is University of South Carolina, not University of Southern California. He gets yes, that mixed yes. up all the time. Oh, okay, yeah. U- USC Buford. <laughs> Let me put it like that. USC Sorry, running Joe. <laughs> <laughs> this is the trooper from Sheepville, Kansas. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, in the, in the Southeast, we all know what USC yeah. is. It's got nothing to do yeah. with no, it's team Notre Dame has beat for 1,324 <laughs> days in a row. Never. No, anyway, we, we digress. So back back to your story. So yeah, he's when I first got here, he said, yeah, Quincy, you're a young man, whatever. You know, I'm going to let you know now, you know, there is no policy or no law against you dating any student. But if you do, I need to know about it first. And I told him, well, Chief, you ain't got to worry about that. I'm, I don't, that's not my intentions here. I'm trying to you know, get my job and stuff like that. You know, I want, I'm trying, I love this. I love doing this type of work. I want to do this, you know, so I'm not going to mess it up. And my mom, she already gave me the rundown about how women can jam you up in work. And oh, all that I type bet. Of stuff. So, I yeah. bet. Now, did you tell your mom about what you did to the girl about handcuffing her? Yeah. She was like, see, I told you, my son, like, you really got to be careful. <laughs> like you not, you didn't even did nothing wrong, but the fact that they will complain and yep. say things, you know? So just, just imagine if you actually did something, you probably would have been in jail or something like that. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I don't see that. So you know what? You got to worry about that. And you got to worry about me talking to no women on the college campus or at work, nothing like that. So, yeah. You're, you're too busy writing tickets, man. You, you hey, yeah. Get... Yeah. And trust me, <laughs> ain't, ain't no one want to talk to me after I write a ticket. <laughs> I, had a, I, had a, I had a woman the other day call me a racist. I'm like, I'm a racist. I'm black too. Like, <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're black, Quincy? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that. Did you, Steve? <laughs> I got to tell you, a good friend of mine, he's got his own radio show. His name's David Webb. And David, David's on Sirius XM, does stuff on Fox. David is a black guy. Mm-hmm. David knows he's black. He got on CNN where he was being interviewed by somebody, I think, from CNN one time. And they were talking about it. She said, well, you basically suffer from white privilege. And he lets us go on for a minute. And he says, apparently your staff doesn't do their research. Do you know I'm black? And this host, there was like a three-second pause. Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh. (laughs) Well, it's Quincy. You don't know this, but my daughters are both adopted from Columbia, South America. Oh, really? And I love it, you know, when especially when brown people, Hispanic Mm -hmm. people, would would accuse me of being racist. It's like, eh, you might want to go look me up yeah, on social for media before you say that. Uh, I got I got a friend of mine. Uh, he got remarried, but uh, this guy was originally Arkansas State Police. He mm-hmm. is a Southern Baptist as they come, mm-hmm. and somebody tried to accuse him of that here not too long ago. 
Well, his wife's name is Folaki. I can't even pronounce her last name. She <laughs> is descended from Nigerian royalty. They got wow. married in, in the the island of Mauritius, and then they had their uh, ceremony and stuff. And I just, it's kind of like, you know, come on, people. But I mean, that's so funny that she accused you of being, you were racist against her because why? I don't know. I, she mad because I gave her a ticket. <laughs> I gave her two. Texting and driving and not wearing the seatbelt. <laughs> Oh, so you hard ass yeah. you? Yeah, I told, I'm, I'm hard. No, I love it when I love it when people. I'm hard, but I'm fair. <laughs> See, that was me too. I was like, people would accuse me. They said you'd write your own mother a ticket. I said that's patently false. However, I would detain her till I called another trooper over and have them issue the ticket. But I would yeah. never write my own mother a ticket. You know, <laughs> I would just kidding. I would never write my mother a ticket. But so, um, so what was it like then to go from the campus experience? Now you're at Estill. I mean, what changed for you? When you took when you started working the mean streets of Estel, so um, I was that would be the problem. Nothing really changed, man. I still had my habits that I had at USC Buford. I carried them over to Estel, you know. But I mean, what, which I never, habits are you talking about? You know, just you know, relaxed. You know, not you know, really fully paying attention. You know, um, you know, noticing things that I should have noticed. You know, and like I said, I'll explain all that once we get to you know where we're going. But yeah, so um, I was pretty much just laid back and relaxed and, you know, they didn't take heed to warnings and stuff like that as far as people let me, giving me information and as far as, you know, as far as safety information. Okay, yeah, that's just people talking. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but I still carried on. I did my job, like, you know, um, and like I said, not taking into account, sometimes I'm the only officer for 10 miles because where Esther was nestled at, you know, it's like in the rural part of the county this is really separated from every other part of the of the of the town so but yeah um so yeah so i just so if I you did, needed backup on those times where would your backup come from either the sheriff department or a neighboring town um so we have another neighboring town they had they were even smaller than Esther. they were like one square mile and they had three officers total the chief and two officers so um and that they were one officer per shift too as well so yeah so um yeah that's pretty much my end the sheriff department they only run two deputies for the entire county which is crazy you know but yeah that's that's how that's how they operate it so depending on where the sheriff department is if they're on the the northern part of the county uh or the eastern part of the county um near yemesee and beaufort side beaufort county line it'll take 30 minutes to get me lights and sirens period wow so what's the county what's what county is estill in it's in Hampton County. Hampton County? Okay. How many people are in Hampton County? You didn't know you were going to get a geography test, did you? I know, right? I was like, I can't, honestly can't even speak to that. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? We're going to use the magic. Just a second. Hey, All Siri, right. how many people... Hey, Siri, what is the population of Hampton County, South Carolina? Okay. I found this on the web for how many people... Hey, Siri, what is the population of Hampton County, South Carolina? Check it out. 18,180. Nice. I mean, but nice, wow. that's a nice size, though. I, I, uh, yeah. The count. I, I prefer to live in something smaller than something bigger, like we're doing now. So, but yeah. you know, you brought up an inter- you bring up an interesting point too, because it does get into your mentality about reading the situations, understanding you know uh, actions people take that will be threatening to you in a city environment and an enforcement environment versus a college environment. Because, like you said, you had two years of just kind of being conditioned to where. I mean, kids are being kids. They're doing stupid yep. shit, but you know, there's yeah. no gunfights. There's no stabbings. There's no nothing. Right. And so, yeah. 
but but you were also pretty much community oriented too. I mean, it, that kind of carried mm-hmm. over too, right? To where you wanted to get to know oh, the yeah. community, talk to people, things like that. Oh yeah, oh oh definitely. You know, um, like and I grew up in the area too, so I got a lot of family that live in the town too, and I would go visit them while I'm at work. They feed me, they check up on me, I check up on them, make sure they're good. You know, so I mean, people know who I am. They knew where I came from and know my family. You know, so it wasn't like I was just some person that just came from out of town and started working. You know, some New Yorker, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had a story about that. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, we got plenty of time and and space is free on a podcast, man. Let's hear. This is your story. Oh, so it, so this is before I was in law enforcement. I was um I'm a light. I was a lifeguard, uh, for the local pool too. Uh, um, so it's um is it was a cop. I I'm not gonna mention his name. You know, in Hampton whatever, he came from New York or whatever. And like he said, you know how New York people are versus people in the South. Hey, how you doing? This and that. We we speak to everybody, all that type of stuff. So anyway, and my mom, she was also an NYPD officer current at the time too. So anyway, um, I was going to get chemicals for, you know, our pool so we can start the um, treatment process or whatever and do some repairs and maintenance. So I'm coming up into town from, um, my bosses where he, uh, his, uh, car shop is just on the outside of town. Um, in town and I was approaching a red light or whatever. Now, mind you, I'm doing about 30, 35. The speed limit is like 35 in that area. So, um, the, uh, left lane was clear. There was nobody in the left lane and it was the officer at the traffic light, but there was nobody behind him either. So it was just clear left lane and the officer at at the red light. So, and I'm approaching it. So um, the, by the time I got close to it, it had turned green. So what I did, I just put my signal on, switch lanes, and get into the left lane to keep from breaking my speed. <clears throat> so so um, I, get, I don't know what the officer, what he does, he gets into the left lane. So all right, so I'm still driving. I'm still catching up to him or whatever. Then I finally got up to him, and I'm like, you know, well, he's driving, uh, he's driving a little under the speed limit. So what I did was to keep from breaking my speed, I get into the right lane. So when I do that, he cuts his lights on, swerves over in my lane, then swerves back and cuts his light off. And I'm like, well, what's going on here? Like, did he did he get a call? Did he get canceled? Or what happened? I'm, something happened. I'm like, I don't think nothing, nothing had to do nothing to do with me or whatever. So I'm like, okay, that was a little weird. So I kept on driving. Speed limit changes to 40 miles per hour. Um, so I uh I I continue on and I'm driving a stick shift too. So you know, and I get up to 40 miles per hour, the actual speed limit. I don't go no higher or no lower. I'm doing the speed limit. And I pretty much, I get up to him and, and I get parallel. Then I see, I look, he looks over at me and I look right at him and I'm like kind of nod my head and I kept on driving. So this guy, he slows down and gets behind me and cuts on his lights and pulls me over. So I'm like, okay, so I pull over or whatever. And as soon as he get out of the car, you know, um. <clears throat> He he adjusts his belt like this and, you know, he just walks up to the car like Mr. Macho Man, all that type of stuff. Like, I'm the I'm the shit. Like, but I didn't say nothing. Nothing. I'm like, OK. So and then he going when I rolled out my window or whatever, he's like, you don't take Kylie the warnings, huh? Do you? I'm like, well, warning. What was the warning? I don't understand. You got your license, your registration. OK, yes. Right, here's, here you go. So my mom, she gave me a FOP card and I have like a little mini badge in a wallet that says officer's son. So I. Yeah, that, <laughs> seriously. 
So <laughs> now let me tell you, that works in New- if you're in New York, that means something in New York. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. So I put my registration inside my wallet. Now I never open it. I don't flash it and put it in his face. I folded it and I hand it to him. He opens it. You take your license out. Okay. Take my license out. And the FOP card is right behind my license. So I just pulled both of them out. Just hand it to him. He handed me the FOP card back. Went back to my car. Oh, before he went back to his car, he said, yeah, I stopped you for doing 45 and a 40. It's like, what? No, 46 and a 40. I'm like, okay. How is that possible? For one, I was doing, I was doing actually 40. But I didn't say nothing. I was like, all right. He went back, wrote the ticket, gave me a ticket for 46 and a 40. So um, he uh, he came back and explained it. I said, well, sir, if, can I ask you a question? If, if I was doing 46 and a 40, how was you able to clock me? You know, I'm running parallel to you. You had to slow down. You hit your brakes, slow down and got behind me. So he was like, well, you were going too fast and blah, blah, blah. He said something. I'm like, that don't make sense. I was like, how were you able to get a reading off your radar? I don't know radars at the time. I didn't have nothing with law enforcement like I do now. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, he was just so agitated and nasty with me for no reason. And I was like, I said, well, sir, well, why are you getting an attitude with me? Like, you know, my mom's a currently NYPD officer. I respect officers. I want to be one. You know, why are you getting, why are you getting so nasty with me? I'm not getting nothing like with you, homeboy. I mean, my Corey like, homeboy, like, why are you being so nasty with me right now? Like, he just had an attitude and was just nasty for no reason. Like, so yeah, but yeah, New York, New Yorkers, man, they got that attitude, man. It just makes no sense hey, for no reason, no reason at all. Well, did you have to pay the ticket? No, I didn't have to pay that ticket. I called my mom and let her know what went on. And I actually recorded it too. So she made a call and talked to him. But the bad thing about it is he called me and I, my mama told me to apologize him. Because I shouldn't argue with him. I'm like, I didn't argue with him. Don't, Why do I got to apologize? Don't talk your mama. You do what she said. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I did, and I apologize. I, 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 I bit the bullet, and I apologized to him for acting the way I did. And I was like, I didn't act no way. I, he was just nasty to me. Question for you, because this is going to factor in later. Why did you record that stop? Uh, the one with the officer? Right yeah. Now? Because, I mean, I just want... I just, I just wanted to uh, have proof because he was acting all just rude to me and whatever. So, you know, I wanted to, you know, to show, hey, listen, I didn't do anything. You were acting this towards me. So did you have an iPhone mm-hmm. or what? What'd you have? No, just, just my little, just my little, I think it was a flip phone at the time. I don't know. It was one of those oh, okay. old phones or whatever. But yeah, I just, mm-hmm. you know, just pressure because after he done went back to the car and I guess was writing the ticket. I'm like, what? Yo, he's acting like a jerk. Like. Like I'm not say, I'm not doing anything or say anything bad to him. Like so, I recorded it because I had already heard about him before before that stop. People in the town. So he was already going, had a rep, huh? He already had a rep. It was already bad about how he disrespect people and talk to people. So I was like, after that stop, I'm like, yeah, let me let me let me record this. So yeah. That's one of those reverse situations where you look at him and say, you ain't for around here, are you, boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah. So, so yeah, well. There you go. Hey, by the way, that's why I said his accent was a little different. So going back to our regular story, though, so you started Estill. So um, how long does it take before you, I mean, are you like out on your own right away? So you might as well say that, you know, um, Estill was real small. They didn't have no FTO program, but these other agencies do, you know, but I did ride with a a veteran officer that showed me the streets and showed me around. It, It wasn't a big area too, man. You can't get lost. 
Well, I lied. You can because the the addresses are all screwed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I mean, like I said, you you can't get lost, lost. Like so, um, they you I rode with them for about a week, and they as they told me, hey, all right, you can you good to ride by yourself now. All right, cool. So I rode around, you know, and like I said, um, I'm a traffic person, so I started doing my traffic and stuff like that. I'm I'm very very uh proactive when it comes to traffic, man. So start stopping my cars and I start learning everything. And you know, after after a week or so, I was I was fine. I mean, like I said, I was already trained, you know, as far as you know, criminal and stuff like criminal law and stuff like that. So they didn't really have to teach me any of that. It's just you know, learning the town. So hey, let's let's mm-hmm. talk a little bit too about your setup too. So tell us about um, when you started working there. What are you carrying? You got body armor, you know. Just, just give us, give, tell us what, tell us what your standard uniform of the day is like. So, uh, standard uniform, like I said, we have a, a, a vest. It was an outer carrier, um, but the outer carrier is more shaped like a, a button-up shirt. Yeah. So, it had, oh yeah, it was I've like seen those. Of, yeah, those look yeah. nice. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I was was blue. I was pretty much was that, and um, uh, they get I uh, got issued a taser, aspartan. You know, uh, we carried forties uh, at over there, Glock forties. Um, now did and, you, did you, when you went through the taser training, did you get tased? Oh, uh, unfortunately, yes, I did. Did you wet your, <laughs> did you wet your pants? <laughs> no, I ain't wet my pants. <laughs> Close you to it, your though. pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Close to it. So tell folks what, I mean, look, I, I never went through taser training. We went through the rig, the, the first OC, the oleoresin capsicum, that cayenne yes. pepper, that is nasty shit. Let me tell you. What's it like though, getting uh, tased? I would tell you this. I would take the taser over the OC though. Anytime, and I, really? everybody, and I've I've heard everybody say that, and no, but for real, because once the taser, like you will have, like when you get hit with a taser, it just feels like, like I guess it feels like you can't breathe because you're trying, you're screaming like ah, and you can't take a breath, but you you are breathing, you're talking and stuff like that, yeah, but it just feels like you know something is sucking out of you, like is locking you up and you can't move, like. Like, I don't know, it's like like a python wrapped around you or something like that, squeezing the life out. That's pretty much like I can compare it to. You know what I'm saying? Jeez. But yeah. However, when it's over, it's over. That's what I'm about to say. When it's over, it's done. You're like, okay. It's done. You you go you go snap back to normal. You still gonna feel funny because you feel like, oh, you got electricity going through you. But when it when it when it when it cuts <laughs> off, your muscles go back to normal immediately. It might give you a little second to, re- to uh, realize what happened. And that's what happened to me. I, I had to lay there for a little second to realize, all right, I got shot by electricity. Now what's next? Can I touch something? <laughs> am I shock- <laughs> Am I going to shock somebody else? Like, <laughs> Don't touch anything. I know, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah, but the, the difference between that and OC, OC hangs out. Uh, it, I mean, it took a couple hours at least before yeah. I thought I was functional. Oh yeah, oh yeah. After because when I went to the because we got maced in our academy, and you know they'll tell us, hey, when you get maced or whatever, uh, use the soap, wash your eyes out with the uh, Dawn soap or this and that, and you know bend over. Do not stand straight up because that stuff will run down <laughs> to other areas. <laughs> um, I I I've told this story before. I made that mistake. I got sprayed oh, in the face. I was man. bending forward and I'm in the shower. And of course I have yep. luxurious, glorious hair. Uh, you can't yeah. see it. See there. It's like, I have lots of hair there <laughs> and Murph is jealous, but I tilted my head back to what to rinse. It's just natural. And that stuff yep. ran down the crack of my ass. Yep. I don't think I could sit <laughs> for a day. I couldn't oh, sit for a day, man. 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 And that stuff. And then, you know, the bad part was, is when we were doing the training, 
Yep. We all thought we were being cool. So we wore, you know, we had our patrol gloves, you know, the leather gloves, you know, we put that yeah. stuff and spray it. And then was, we got, we were training during the summer. And then come wintertime, it's like you start putting the gloves back on. It's getting cold. Um, you start running the heat. My eye started itching. So I reached up with my glove and I rubbed yep. my eye and it still had OC on there. I had to pull off to the side of the road and stop because my eyes were watering so bad just from what was left on yep. the tip of that glove. Yep. Because uh, when uh, after I did the training, you know, everything was, after I did it, got ma- mace the first time, um, it would burn for hours and then, you know, we showered and everything, and then everything got cool. So when I went to bed, because we had PT and stuff in the morning, around 11 o'clock, tell me why it reactivated on my face and I couldn't go back to sleep. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. So it will linger. It will linger. Oh, it it will linger. And that's the, well, anyway, now that, and, um, one thing I learned too, when I went through, uh, the military and, uh, basic training at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri or Fort Lost in the Woods, Missouri, they, they run you through what they call the gas house. Every place has, you know, place where we used to go in and we used to get CS gas, but and yeah. outside they say you roll down your sleeves, you button up your shirt, you know, and they say, when you run or when you leave, do not run, just walk out the door because outside every yeah. gas house is one big fucking tree <laughs> that people would run into. You'd find guys with bark in their forehead where they ran out. They couldn't see what they were doing. And they ran <laughs> yeah. right into a tree. Oh man. I'll teach you to listen. I Listen. So we didn't, we didn't have no gas house in South Carolina. They never went through that training. I transferred here to North Carolina. They put us through the gas house. I ain't never experienced that in my life. I'd rather get mace versus go to the gas house. That was the worst experience ever. Man, I pff, listen, I ain't got no words for that. <laughs> Did you have to say your ABCs or anything while we you were We had there? to say our name. So they, this is how they told They say, all right, when you take your mask off, breathe normally, all right? And then say your name or whatever. So everybody went through, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm, I'm literally the last person. I'm at the back of the line. So took my mask off. He said, all right, breathe normally. I suck it, I breathe in, and then I said, huh, I ran out. I couldn't even stay in there. I ran out. <laughs> and <laughs> listen, man, my, my uh, co-workers give me shit to this day about that, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, let me tell you, if you want to mess with somebody, say, it look, sucks. you say, look, when you get outside, first thing you got to do is get it out of your lungs. So take a big breath, you know, yep. and then, and then that's inhale all that. Anyway. Uh-uh. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. So when did when did you start at Estill? When was your first day on the job? August 2015. Yeah, August 2015. Okay. So um, you start, and now what's it like working down there during the summer? Is it is it humid down there? Pretty hot? Very. Yeah, very humid. Very hot or whatever. You know, I'm I'm used to it. Like I said, I'm always I love the heat. I re- I love the heat more than anything. So. Um, and I Except worked at, you're and I sitting in, in a car right now with air conditioning going. Yeah. Well, I, I, everybody have their limits. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, but I mean, yeah, you get only so much heat you can take now. That's but, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but um, no, I, I, um, it's, it's very, it's very, very humid up there, man. You know, got to keep yourself hydrated and stuff down there and whatnot. So yeah. Um, and yeah. you're also tempted sometimes. I know people are, but you're like tempted to say, man, it's too hot. I'm just going to take the vest off. And it's like. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the good thing about the outer carriers that we can just pop it right on off, man. But I don't. I only do that when I'm in the office or something. I never. I never really done it when I'm in the patrol car or anything yeah. like that. You know. So <clears throat> that was one thing. So well, now walk us through. So you start with Estelle. So now, when's your? What's your first big crime that you get to investigate, other than a parking complaint and somebody snorting coke <laughs> and whiskey? <laughs> 
Oh, so one thing about so uh, well, the biggest one, I got like a couple pounds of marijuana off of somebody. You know, that was pretty big. And then I got like, I started seeing ecstasy, cocaine, and I haven't, I haven't ran into heroin, but uh, um, yeah, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten those in guns and stuff like that. So those are the biggest things I investigated. And um, a lot of, a lot of, it's, it's a lot of disputes as far as family disputes between a lot of domestics. Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of domestics, family disputes, fights and stuff like that. And uh, we did have a lot of issues with shootings or whatever. People like shooting up houses and stuff like that. I would say that. <clears throat> now, is it, was that, was that driven by dope, by gangs? But what, what was driving that? I guess you could say just both people having fused with each other, man. Like it, it, the, the amount of fights and stuff calls that we get. Like I said, we don't have a lot of a big car volume. Our car volume is extremely low. But the stuff that we do get is either like some civil stuff. Hey, the, the neighbor's dog just ran over and shit in my yard. You know, I want something done. Like, nothing I can do about that. Tell them, I can tell them lock their dog up. But, you know, <laughs> there's nothing much I can do. But, um... You but know, if you would yeah. collect that for evidence and hold it in your refrigerator, we'll come to you in a week and we'll collect it and run DNA testing. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would I wish I could think of my feet like that to tell them that. <laughs> Just call me so, next hey, time. You got me on no, speed dial. No, seriously. Seriously, somebody if I would have told them that, somebody would have done that and I would have got in trouble. <laughs> there you go. Not me. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, you give me their number and I'll call them and tell them I'm a DNA poop expert for dogs. This is what you gotta do. All right. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, so the biggest, yeah, the biggest thing I, I usually investigated, um, and I did, uh, we'll, and we, I guess we'll get to that later too. Um, I did experience a murder where someone died in my hands or whatever, but that was after my incident and stuff like that. So we, yeah, we want to talk about, yeah, we'll, let's talk about that. Um, so, but during this five months, as you're working up now, because you're an aggressive kind of officer, and I don't say that bad because I was aggressive too, no, man. Yeah. If it moved, yeah. man, I wrote it a mm-hmm. ticket, you know, or I stopped stuff. But that's how you get the weed. That's how you, believe it or not, and Steve and I were talking about this, he kids, but but when you start realizing the number of things you run across with traffic stops, uh, you run into dope that turn into bigger cases or you run into human trafficking, you run into mm-hmm. kids that have, have been uh, taken away from their parents, things like that. A lot of good things come out of traffic, but you're in a small town. So how do you balance not pissing off everybody in the small town with being uh, active on traffic enforcement. Is it, is it out of County, out of town stuff, or are you hammering people in town? I didn't care. <laughs> I didn't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, so I, my, my thing was, you know, I try to help you out as much as I can, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I'm still going to do my job. You know, I hammered everybody. It didn't matter. And if you know me, and, you know, when I get out and try to talk to people or whatever, you you know what type of person I am. It's not anything personal. You know what I'm saying? I still have my job to do. But it it one thing I got to explain to you about this town, everybody's tight-knit. Everybody's family in that community. They will take up for each other no matter what. If, you, if you're a cop and you're a family, that don't matter. You're, the fact that you're a cop, no, you, they're not, they're not going to look after you or whatever. Now, my, fam- my family did. You know what I'm saying? Like my family knew, you know, that person. Because, like I said, it was all my first cousins, second cousins. Everybody they they know, but it, I guess the people that weren't close to me like that, they were the ones that were getting angry and stuff like that. You know, um, one thing I do uh, side sidebar of the story. When I first got the Esto, you know, um, I uh, I after I got on my own, it was like a day or two after I got on my own. Stop this guy. He was doing like, like. 38 and a 25, uh, 40 and a 25 or something like that. 
So I stopped him, pulled him over, and wrote him a ticket or whatever. All right. And, you know, he requested a jury trial. So I'm so we went to the jury trial or whatever. Of course, people, the, the, the jury is people from the town or whatever. So <clears throat> went to the jury trial. We started we started the proceedings. The guy, uh, his testimony was that I saw him and get out the car with no shoes on. And I got back in the car and he stopped me because I had no shoes on. And I'm yes. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, I'm like, oh man, I'm definitely about to win this. So I'm like, and I testify, Your Honor, I got this. I observed this. You know, the speed, blah blah blah, and this and that. All right, jury went deliberate, not guilty, not guilty. Any any explanation? Nope, just not guilty. Because it's it's the simple fact that I'm an officer and I wrote them a ticket. They do not like the police there. They don't, no matter what. Only a very select few com- uh, members of the community do love the police and stuff like that. But for the most part, they do not like the police there. So when you were working at Estelle, you were living in Hampton then? Yes, yes. That's my hometown. That's where I grew up at. Yeah. So at least you got a little bit of a respite, right? Even though you had to work town and stuff like that, you could at least go home and be around yeah. family and other stuff like that, right? But yeah. Did, but how how did that how did that affect your ability to be effective and you know and police when the when they kind of have that kind of mentality and that close knitness? I mean, because what I would think it would make it difficult for you to follow up on stuff. You know, it's like you got a burglar, you got a robbery. I mean. If nobody's talking and nobody's giving oh, you leads, how are you gonna how are you gonna solve it? It is extremely difficult, man. You know, like it. Uh, a lot of st- like I said, a lot of stuff that I can't that I was able to solve or got was from traffic stops because I end up I find a way. I end up searching a car, and I find the gun that someone stole from such and such house or whatever or whatnot or some things that happen uh, like phones or whatever somebody stole from such and such and I on a traffic stop so. That's a lot of things why I was so aggressive with my traffic stops. Yeah, did you get any blowback from the chief on that? No, my my chief they they uh they enjoyed me. They they loved the fact that I was you know um being very proactive like that. You know, that's unusual t- too because in some small towns, uh, the chief will kind of go, "Hey, this is the way we do things here." You know, so, don't no. don't feel like you have to write a ticket or make an arrest. Yeah, well, I was so well. Good thing. thing is, my chiefs, they were out of they were from out of town. They didn't live there. God, okay. So <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh back like I said, back in the day, Estel did have a rep. The uh, department had a rep for, you know, corruption and stuff like that. You know, this is when I was growing up. That's why it was so bad growing up. But you know, they started they hired chiefs out of town. My uh, chief was from Sumter, South Carolina. And uh <clears throat> so they hired him. And, um, like he, a lot of things got cleaned up before I got to Estel. It wasn't all the way clean, but a lot of things changed when I got to Estel. We got the new chief in, he's from out of town. He don't know nobody. Everybody getting treated the same. There's no looking out for this person, that person, you know, um, or whatnot. If it's something, especially if it's something major. It's kind of hard to do your job. It's a tough situation. It is. Yeah. That's tough. Cause I mean, you got on a fight call and you're the only officer there. Really, you know, if it's, if it's family. It doesn't take long for everybody. For everybody to yeah. start oh, yeah. piling on your back. Yeah. Yeah. W- one thing that I did hate is when I did my traffic stops and if somebody pulled over into a gas station, one thing that they did that I hated was when, when they see a cop pull somebody over the gas station or where a lot of people are at, they will, they will surround your car and observe. 
oh, or yeah. whatever. And I hated yeah. being surrounded. So I usually call for, whenever that happens, I'll call for backup. You know, sure, the problem, they'll come quickly. I say, hey, kind of make it urgent, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm being surrounded. Circular firing no. squad. Yeah, seriously. Well, so let's start working forward because you, you're you okay. not on the department for very long uh, mm-hmm. before the shooting happens, right? So yeah, yeah. let's set context now for, to talk about the shooting. So how do your shifts work in uh, Estill? I mean, are you on five, uh, you know, five eights, four tens, three twelves? How do you guys work your shifts? So um, we, uh, we work uh, 12 hour shifts and we work, well, actually, I can't even give you a schedule because we were so short, you know, at the time. It was we would work weird hours. We'll work we'll work three days off one day, work another three days off one day, and then it, it, the schedule would just change. So I can't give you a definite answer of how everything worked. But usually we'll work like three or two days and off one day, and three or two days and off one day. We didn't really have a full like two days on, two days off, and every other weekend off. You know, so, nothing yeah. predictable. Yeah, nothing predictable. Which kind of was, that's kind of the deal we had here. We've been trying to schedule this for a while, trying to work within, you know, get, find you with some time off. So let's start talking mm-hmm. about this because this happens on New Year's Day of 2016. So, yeah. so t- tell us, let's start off the day. What time did you come to work? So um, I'm that day shift officer. I work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And like I said, um, we, we, we only had seven officers at the time. And, you know, during Monday through Friday, the chief and the assistant chief will be in the office. And that's pretty much that day shift officer's backup. However, holidays and weekends, if you're that day shift officer, you're the only officer for however many miles, another officer, at least 10 miles, at least. And then at nighttime, they have two officers working. So um, I, I, I work 6, 6 a.m., 6 p.m. Like I say, it got up like any other normal day. But before we get to that, one thing I want to ask you about is a p- piece of equipment. I forgot I was going down that route, and then we started having too much fun. So, yeah. But you were doing something different <laughs> than most other people were, and um, you had gotten yourself a pair of glasses that could record what was going on. When when did that idea come to you, and why? That came to me uh, in sometime, oh, so August, September. Maybe September, October sometime. Um, you know, uh, cause I was, I was started being proactive and stuff like that and, you know, getting a lot of things and me and my chief were just sitting down talking one day and, uh, he told me, he said, listen, man, I want you, I want to, I want to say something to you, man. You know, just be careful out here, man, because I'm going to tell you right now, be careful what you say and do with, around women because they will jam you up. And I was like, well, chief. You ain't got to worry about that. I already had learned all that stuff back at USC Buford. I promise not <laughs> you know? to put handcuffs on any women and call them nasty. <laughs> yeah. I promise, Chief. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for real. So uh, I was like, you ain't got to worry about that, man. Like, uh, trust me. So I, so after we after we done had a conversation, because, you know, I, my our chief at the time, he had an open door policy, man. We I'll go down and sit in his office. And, What's going on, Chief, man? You know, let's have a, a man-to-man, a genuine conversation, personal Work related doesn't matter. Like we just sit out because we were a small apartment, and we can't ha- you can't help but to talk to the chief and have a conversation with him, you know. <clears throat> so when we had that conversation, whatever, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna give me a body camera because I ain't, I don't feel like dealing with any uh, lies and stuff like that. People say when they when they come to report because they when I was when I was working there, they had women come report officers. It, of course, it'd be a lie. But my chief started doing something. He started he started making people take polygraph tests and write a statement. And if they do that and they came up a lot, he's gonna put them in jail for false information to police. 
So <clears throat> I was like, instead of going that route, you know what I'm saying? I'm just gonna give me a, I'm just gonna give me a body camera. So I go on Amazon and I start looking for you no know, body cameras. And I I started seeing the traditional ones that we're wearing now, but it was like five, six hundred bucks. I'm like, listen, I'm only making like thirteen, twelve dollars. Dude, an and hour. I'm still paying off two thousand dollars in school books. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, for real. So um so I was like, yeah, I just kept I just kept on looking, man, for something cheaper, at least in the hundreds. And I came across some glasses. And I was reading the description, you know, it's high definition video and high high quality sound and all this and that. And I'm like, hmm, let me let me try these out. So I ordered them. They came around October. They came around sometime in November. And I went and stopped the car and used them. And went back to the, as soon as I finished, I went back to the office, uh, opened the video up and played it. And I was like, wow, man, this is some good video. Oh, man, I can hear it. Oh, yeah, I'm using these for everything. So I told Chief about it. He's like, I'm good with it. That's fine. It's like, cool. And I said, I could, and mostly I said, I can use this for traffic stuff, man. So, you know, I, he's like, yeah, I'm good with it. You can wear it. So how did they, so how did they work? Because, you know, obviously concerned with something like that is going to be battery life. So how, how did they work? How did you turn it on? How did you turn it off? So, um, so I ended up, I had two pairs of glasses and I'll tell you why. So the first pair that I ordered, you know, they look like Oakley's or whatever. So pretty much with an Oakley symbol at, it was like a little, it was like a little button. It literally, it literally was, you pretty much say they were Oakley's because they had, they had a similar symbol like it. So you just push the little button in the side and wait to, and on the inside of the arm of the glasses, it had like a little red light, a a light indicator. Um, Blue means recording, red means it's powered on, but it's not recording. And if it didn't see any light, that means it was powered off. So um, I'll power it on and I'll have it running. Or sometimes, I, and all you got to do is hold it for like three seconds and it'll, um, it'll power on and start recording. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep it running continuously and I'll have to charge it up throughout the day or whatever. It lasted some, some hours, man. I, ended, I can get at least, I had a memory card for like, what, at that time for like 64 gigabytes. And it'll hold like 30 videos of a tra- of a traffic stop videos, depending on how long they are. My traffic stops are no more than like seven, seven, eight minutes. <clears throat> so um, so yeah, it'll it'll hold at least 30 traffic stop videos. And, you know, and what I do, and if I'm not using it, what I do to try to pass time or whatever, while I'm while I'm not doing anything, I just plug it up to the cigarette lighter, the charger in the car, and let them charge to keep it to keep it charged. <clears throat> but it did come to a point where I had to buy another pair. Because I learned they they did uh, eventually like they die and I have to sit and charge it up because I forgot to charge it. Yeah. So I had a second I had a, a second pair that I already had charged and then once I get those I use that one plug that one up and it's it's continuous. You could swap them out during a shift. So yeah, yeah, because you would make thirty, forty, fifty traffic stops a day, right? You young aggressive yeah. officer, you. Yeah, yeah, I really would. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm looking at the quality. I'm looking at your video on YouTube as you're talking here, and the quality of those glasses is is unbelievable. Oh yeah, it, it, the clarity is really and, good, and the sound as well. Yeah, and that's what. I, and then when I ordered them, it was like, yo, wow! Like, you know, I was amazed about because I, I didn't think they were gonna be that great. I thought they would be okay, but I didn't think they would be that great. You know, so yeah, I started I started using them for everything, and then so. I was oh. gonna say before January, did it ever save your butt on a traffic stop or anything or a complaint? Did it? Did it? Did, were you able to use the benefits of the glasses before January? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, all the time. 
So, I mean, give us yeah. an example about how you would use it, uh, you know, and, and not just to record the stop, but like, did you get a complaint or somebody would say something and you could use it to show? Yeah, yeah. They always complain to say I was rude. I was dis, dis, uh, dis, dis, um, disrespectful to them and all those type of stuff. I was like, chief, no, I wasn't. Like, I was like, matter of fact, hold on. Went up, went in the computer, got the video file, put it on the, um, a, a flash drive, handed it to the chief. He looked at it. All right, I'm good with that. I'll let, I'll, I'll talk to him. Or whatever. So yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely, man. Yeah. Like, good thing you're already using it now. Here's an interesting point, though, because like with anything, at some point, you know how police departments are. There's got to be policies and training and procedures. So, did you get to that point to where the chief says maybe we need to have a policy on this, or was it more just he just kind of gave it his blessing? You know, looked at it and said, "Hey, you're good." And um, and when you did the traffic stop, did you have a requirement in South Carolina or anything to let people know they were being recorded? So I. Uh, um, my chief, it wasn't no policy at that time because nobody was really into buying body cameras, anything like that. So he pretty much just gave me his blessing to use it or whatever. Um, I mean, he just made it sure like, just don't share it with anybody. Just keep it within the department or whatever. But, you know, don't be posting stuff that you do on Facebook or anything like that. So I'm like, I ain't doing that. This is, this is for court stuff and for us, you know. So, yeah. And um, there was no requirement. So I kind of let them know I'm recording them. No. Did did you get any issues from defense attorneys in court on any cases or any traffic stops where they tried to challenge, uh, you know, the introduction of the video, or did that become an issue? So for my my traffic stop videos or for the my incident? Video? No traffic stop videos. No. So with South Carolina, where office any misdem pretty much misdemeanors and low lesser officers prosecute their own um uh, stuff and uh, people in Esso they just. They'll, they'll prosecute their own case. They'll talk to the judge. I'll talk to the judge. They, well, the judge let them talk first, explain their side, blah, blah, blah. The judge let me talk, and then he'll let them cross-examine me and all that type of stuff and whatnot and <clears throat> all that type of stuff. So, But no, they never... As soon as I play that video, they be like, oh, I don't remember it happening that way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, the video remembers. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that's I wanted to make sure we set set the stage for that because by the time January comes up, you've been using this regularly for what, like at least two months now, probably. Yeah, yep, two months, about two, about two months. I've been using them, man, and like I said, they've been working great. You know, I got a lot of good feedback. You know, I had a few of my uh co- few of my buddies, man, um, from my hometown. He's an officer too in my hometown. You know, he ended up getting one, man. I took because not not many people knew that I had a body camera. Only my close friends and the my close friends and that were officers only had knew I had a body camera, you know, cause I did let them see some of my traffic stuff as someone acting stupid or whatever. And I, you know, write them a ticket, whatever. I let them see it or whatever. But, um, other than that, um, yeah. Uh, now, do you I remember to turn it off when you went into the bathroom? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I was, I was worried about that a few times, man. So what I did, I just made sure I take it off completely. There were glasses anyway. So, it was no, it was not no lens or nothing. It was just a plastic, clear lens. There was no medicine yeah. or nothing. But yeah, I made sure I just take them out completely. Yeah, <laughs> I was at a conference one time. One of the speakers had that wireless lavalier mic, you know, and yeah, always tell him yeah. just make sure you shut it off. Well, he had it on, went into the bathroom, and not only could you hear what was going on, <laughs> they were making some inappropriate remarks about some of the students, and it's kind of like, yeah, his career oh. kind of kind of got cut short teaching. Anyway, oh, oh man, geez. yeah, not yeah, fun. So let's so let's talk about January first, twenty sixteen. So like, say your day, you're doing a six to six shift. Um, you yep. get there. Um, how's the day start off for you? What do you do? 
So, like I said, I, I worked at 6 to 6. Um, it start off just like any other. I said my prayer. I get dressed for work. And, like, we had take-home cars, too. So, um, I get in my patrol car, and I drive uh, to Estel. Hey, uh, hold like on say, a second my- there. Um, you know, a lot of people, they think cops are just, you, you know, just a lot of times they don't realize that faith plays a part in some of this. So, you said you say your prayers. So, tell me about that. So, I have... Um, I actually have a dog tag too, and it pretty much has a police officer's prayer on it, on the back of it. And um, like I said, I'll just say that, you know, God give me strength and courage, you know, to do the best job I can do and, you know, to um, help me serve my community and stuff like that, you know. So, but yeah, like that's that's pretty much it is and protect over me and watch over me and protect me and my family and stuff like that. So, yeah. Good for you. So, very good. Yeah. So you say your prayers, you get in the cars. Um, so now... Go ahead and so you know take us off. You show up at work and you know how does the day start off for you? So I talk when I get there. Um, I talk to the night shift crew. Um, they we get the pass down or what happened during the night. Um, they told me pretty much um everything was fine. You know, people shot some fireworks. It started raining a little bit, so mostly everybody went inside. So they didn't really have any issue. So I'm like, oh okay, cool. So what I what I like to do, I like to I check my port reports that I've done. Prior to that, or if chief leaves something, hey, you need to fix this or, you know, or whatever, I'll fix it, you know, complete it. And, you know, after I do that, I'll go check property. And so my whole plan was for that day, I I was going to stop a few cars and, you know, be seen, but I wasn't going to be aggressive because for one, I'm the only officer working and two, it's it's New Year's. You know, I was going to go eat with my family later on that day. So I I was just going to be more of a reactive than proactive that day. So, um, I, like I said, I, I go out and I check property, make sure, you know, nobody vandalized anything or anything like that, the businesses and stuff like that. And then I said, all right, I'm going to stop a few cars and, uh, be seen, let my presence be known. And even with then, I didn't even write a few, I didn't write a whole lot of tickets. It was for like, what, five or six, you know, like I said, just so everybody can see, hey, blue lights, they still, we still working. So, uh, now, while do you I'm have doing your that, own cars or do you guys rotate cars or do you have take home cars? No, we have take-home cars. I had my own car. Oh, that's nice. What'd you have? I had the newest model of the Dodge Charger back in 2013. Um, they literally had just nice. just got that car too because I was so proactive. <laughs> you know, like you know, they they say it benefits you more than anyone else because you write the most tickets, and I want you to get DUIs and stuff like that because I was a DUI instructor, and um, for um, what I got when I was at USC Buford, so. Um, they wanted me to start doing that type of stuff. So he said, it, the uh, car benefits you more than anyone else since you're the most proactive. Um, uh, cause it had, it had, so little, little sidebar. I, uh, patrol cars, the older ones, other than the one I had, the new one, they didn't have in-car radios. We had to get another handheld, put it inside this unit and pretty much it had I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we had that. Dang. Yeah. And the car that I had at that time. That was the only car that we had that had an in-car radio, a dash camera, and um, all the bells and whistles. So when Murph started, he had an in-car homing pigeon. He would write a message, send it off to dispatch. <laughs> Two days later, they'd get back to him, and he'd know which call he had to respond to. Right, Murph? Oh, yeah, but mostly we were mostly we were sending messages to troopers because they weren't doing okay. shit. <laughs> Because we got our work done early because we had radios. Um, no, no I will tell you, I'm from a first five years on my patrol career, we had no handheld radios. Everything was in car. So if you get out, you had to flip on the outside speaker. And that was kind of bad when you'd be walking up there and they would say, like, 
you know, Garden City 150 or U1012, like which I don't know if you guys use 10 codes like we did, but it's like, is anybody around? Yeah. And then there was one time one of the dispatchers said, Garden City 150, your vehicle is uh, uh, been reported stolen. And, I, and I'm just walking up to the front of the car and it's like, oh, that's not good to hear for those guys to hear, you know, so yeah. I backed up. You know. <laughs> anyway, so signal. I think it was Signal 3 or uh, Signal 5. I, I remember, I forgot what the signals are, but, you know, reported stolen. But anyway, back to you guys. When, no, when he says that, he's talking about three puffs of smoke from the, the little fires they'd send up like the Indian <laughs> speaking language. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Go cool, ahead. But yeah. Uh, this is digressing. So, Pretty soon we'll be talking about the Pony Express. But anyway, back to no, you, Ponzi. So you're out there checking uh, vehicles and stuff. And so, yeah. Um, so, you know, so what's it like? It, are things kind of slow that morning? Yeah. I think things were really kind of slow. Um, like I said, it wasn't a whole lot of traffic. Like I said, every, it was New Year's Day. And mostly I think everybody was at home still sleeping, recovering, and all that type of stuff. So um, I was just sitting on the south side of town even though the town is small, you know, like we only had one traffic light, you know. So I was sitting on the south side of town in front of the liquor store in an abandoned um, car lot. And there's nothing else behind me but trees, a few houses in the country. That's it. So, and that, because every house is spaced out every so often now after, after that. <clears throat> so um, uh, while I'm sitting in the car, you know, like I said, I'm watching traffic. I see uh, the gentleman, uh, his name is Malcolm Orr. Um, he was uh, dressed in a camouflage hunting suit and he walked out of the liquor store and he was walking towards my patrol car and he wasn't doing anything, you know, so I'm, I didn't think nothing of it. He wasn't doing anything. I'm still watching traffic or whatever. And then I'm listening to the radio. We're hooked into our dispatch is hooked into five different agencies. Um, it's Esto, the Sheriff Department, Hampton City, Yemisee and Vaughnville Police Department, all smaller towns. You got by, they got up at least about 10 10 to 12 officers themselves and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, um, and also, well, probably six. Gifford, town of Gifford. Like I said, they only had like three three officers too. So, um, so anyway, um, the, uh, it was an officer in Gifford. Um, she stops a car and dispatch came back with the information and said the person in the car was wanted, I think out of Charleston or something like that. So I'm thinking to myself, all right, you know, I get on the radio. I say, hey, you need any help or anything like that? She said, no, I got everything under control or whatever. I was like, all right. So now Gifford is pretty much, it's three miles away. So, but yeah, they don't work. Like they, they come in around like what? Eight or nine o'clock in the morning. They get off at 10 o'clock. So they, yeah, that's how they work. Like I said, they were small. So anyway, I said, you know what? Let me sit on the north side of town. Just in case something breaks bad, I can already be at the edge of town. I have to go through town doing 130 and risk an accident. Because people will, people do run that traffic light, they they don't they won't care, and I be I put I be in a worse situation than anything. So I just plus you ruin your new your Dodge Charger, man. That's your that's I your know, baby. Right? <laughs> I know for real, absolutely. Anything else can happen. Just don't touch the vehicle. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. So uh, I get back on the highway, and like I said, uh, uh, the gentleman, uh, well, you know, gentleman, but a guy, Malcolm Moore. You know, he was still walking or whatever. And I just happened to look in my rearview mirror. And when I looked at it, I just had this this funny feeling like, you know what? I'm glad I moved type feeling. But I didn't think nothing of it. He just, but he it looked funny. It was weird because I, when I looked in my rearview mirror, he was checking over his shoulder, like like checking to see where I was, you know? And But he would just, he kept walking, but he was just like lollygagging around and checking over his shoulder.
Hey, players, that is the end of part one with Quincy Smith. What an amazing story so far, but there is a lot more to come. So stay tuned for part two coming out Thursday. By the way, we heard you guys loud and clear. We're going to go back to two-part episodes as much as we possibly can. So thank you to all of our players for your feedback. In the meantime, go hit us up, Game of Crimes Podcast. Dot com Our website got lots of good stuff on there, including the video of Quincy's shooting. You have to watch that to understand and put in context what we're going to talk about. Also, hit us up on the socials, at Game of Crime on Twitter, at Game of Crimes Podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. But where you got to be, because of our new series coming out, The Real DEA Narcos, talking about The Real DEA Narcos Kali Edition, available for Guardian of the Realm and Warden of the Throne levels, coming out on Patreon probably here in a couple weeks. A very special, this is a 15-part series about the real story behind the takedown of the gentleman, quote, of the Cali cartel. Stay tuned for part two of Officer Quincy Smith Captures Being Shot on Camera. Coming up Thursday.